Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast on this 285-degree day in Philadelphia. Katie Emmer, I'm exaggerating, of course, with Jordan Hall joining us. Jordan, I, I mean, it is so hot here. But, of course, it's nice to add the idea of an ice sheet. Of course, it's not in Philadelphia. It's in Toronto. Exhibition action started back up. But before we get there, we also have a special guest rejoining the pod today. Karen Hatcher. Woo! <laughs> We Thank just, you for having me. It's so great to be having actual live hockey. Of course, the games are going to count on Sunday, and eventually throughout this episode, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about, you know, looking ahead. But focusing on, you know, right here, right now, this is so fresh. All I thought about throughout that first uh, period specifically is just, wow. I, I sat back and I'm like, wow, the NHL and the NHLPA, they did this thing. They did the thing. Like, they, they figured it out. Um, such a different environment. I mean, talking visuals-wise – even the fan noises. I don't know if you guys caught on to that, Taryn. Uh, like, too, you were right there, uh, you know, doing this game on NBC Philly. Um, but, you know, just the visuals, the fan noises, everything like that, it was like, it honestly was, I was impressed. And, and I think I, you know, I think we all will continue to be just seeing them, you know, continue on. But truly, it was fun. It was fun to see, as far as Travis Sanheim, as I mentioned, a lot of different players that stood out, you know, for me, of course, guys. That pass from Travis Konechny in overtime. I mean, there's nothing like it. And, of course, our listeners probably saw it throughout Twitter. Um, no better way, uh, Taryn, to, to start, you know, this action up than getting the win. We saw Carter Hart in there for the first couple periods, Brian Elliott finishing it up. Um, who stood out to you the most with what you saw tonight? I mean, it wasn't even who. It was kind of what stood out to me the most, honestly. And that was that the conditioning did not seem that far off of where it needs to be. I know JJ and Josie touched on this, but you didn't have guys, you know, kind of keeling over and gasping for air and seeming out of shape. These guys looked like they were ready to play and compete, which was huge. I'll also say Carter Hard looked sharp, and Brian Elliott looked very sharp, which he has throughout camp, which is huge because whether, you know, Carter Hart's the number one guy or not, which I think we can all agree he is, and AB has made it clear that he is, he is incredibly young, and there may be a time where he needs someone to step in and be able to pick up some of the load. And Brian Elliott showed tonight he is more than capable of being that guy. Uh, a few other things that stood out to me, Sean Couturier told us that during the pause, he could only run and do yoga, and Sean Couturier looked as sharp as you could ask him to look in terms of first game back in an exhibition after four months off with very little time to get back on the ice. Um, 
You also then, had a great story with him too, Taryn. Uh, you know, not yeah. to jump in, but you did a great job talking about that. What was the the little bracelet that he was wearing? Tell us more. Yeah, so he's he's still wearing the hospital bracelet from when his daughter was born. Um, his wife went into labor with their daughter three days before he had to leave for Toronto, which is like insane that you could even go out and play a hockey game like that when you're you've got all of these other things on your mind. Um, I also want to shout out Brooke Destra, who writes for us and contributes to us because she was the first person to notice that. And obviously, it's become a very cool story. But yeah, he said he's going to keep that bracelet on, I think, as long as he possibly can as a nice little reminder about why he plays now. And I know people talk about dad strength. Well, it certainly seems like dad strength is working for Sean Couturier these days already. You know, first exhibition game back after... 173 days, I think JJ said. So yeah, crazy, he looked good. He looked, yeah. good. He, he looked like that couturier that we all know and love, right? And and Taryn, that's a great point. Jordan, it, it's fun. It's fun to see them. Uh, you know, it, it, you expect them to be ready to go, but I sort of expected a slow-paced game. Like it's exhibition. It's slower than, of course, is what I mean. Like a natural playoff atmosphere. But I, I, too, was impressed with, you know, the, their compete level and what they were able to do and just the shape they were in. Yeah, and it was kind of funny. Like, the more I watched training camp, the more I kind of came away with um, the impression that, like, they looked, pretty sh- they looked pretty sharp. Like, timing was coming back, and it didn't feel like a training camp before the start of a regular season where you definitely see guys still trying to get in rhythm and build chemistry with different players, like, and the team, the players said the same thing. Like, they were actually pleasantly surprised with um, how much timing came back and how quickly it came back. And I think that's just a testament to what they built during the regular season. They really started to like each other. They started building chemistry. And I think the second they got back, it, it came back rather quickly. And, I, yeah, that was my overall impression of the game was that they did not look like they had gone 140 days without playing a hockey game. Uh, there wasn't much rust. And, and they left the game healthy. So I think all things considered, that was a positive. And for me, I thought it was pretty symbolic in the sense that, um, you know, we're seeing some unfortunate events in baseball with uh, the current virus and how the Miami Marlins had an outbreak and how it's having kind of a trickle-down effect in their season and how they've had a pause, uh, at least the Miami Marlins did, and obviously the Phillies have had games postponed. For the NHL, they've just done it so right. Obviously, they have the, the luxury of being able to just finish the season and have it in a bubble. Same with the NBA. The MLB is in a different ballgame. They have to try to start their season and play 60 games with way more teams. So I know they don't have the benefit of what the NHL and NBA do, but you look at the NHL two-week training camp, they had only two positive cases among 24 training camps. Like That, to me, is astounding. And now they're in a really, really promising spot where now they're in a bubble. Uh, They're blocked off from everyone else. And it kind of hit me like they're going to finish this thing. I think there were so many doubts throughout this whole stoppage of like, are they even going to get to the bubble? Now that they're here, I thought Tuesday night was symbolic that they were going to get this thing started and finish it. Going back to the Flyers, Katie, um, if there was one player or anyone that really stood out to you kind of right out of the shoot, who would it be? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, you got to think about Couturier, Kevin Hayes, and then you get the Lawton goal in overtime. It was great. And I like the goaltending. Taryn, you mentioned that too. It was good. It was good to see the shape Carter Hart was in, even with missing two days of on ice uh, work with that undisclosed sort of injury situation. He did well, but I'm going to go with one that like really, for me, it was impressive to see him play and truly he's at a hundred percent. And he mentioned it after this exhibition game was Shane Gossespair. Um, we saw him get an assist, just seeing him at his full um, ability and, you know, he can move around now. He's, he's recovered from now two knee surgeries guys that we've heard about. Um, but even after today's game, uh, we're hearing Elaine Vino say really impressed with his game. Like I really do think he, he made a good impression guys that it was, it was a good showing for his play um, he wasn't doing really risky things with the puck. I think, you know, Jordan, when you're mentioning, or Taryn, I believe you said this, um, just playing sharp. Uh, a lot of things where their game was sharp. And now, as I mentioned, or remember this, Jordan Hall, it was you. But great minds think alike, right? We all have the same concept going. But yeah, um, that sharp play, like, I think you sort of expect some mishaps and, and maybe some errors. Um, Shane Gossespair, though, I, I really did think he made a great impression. I, I thought that seeing him once again at 100%, um, it, it was a good sight for sore eyes. And maybe this, this could be a great thing for him. Who knows what's going to happen on Sunday? I think at the same, same point, we're seeing all these different combos, seeing different things work out. And Elaine Vino did mention that's going to be happening. That's going to be happening in this exhibition game. That's going to be happening in round-robin play, just seeing what works the best. Um, but yeah, now the real game start up on Sunday. I will just say it was Shane Goss fair, Jordan. That's just the guy that really, uh, yeah, he set the tone for me in this exhibition game. I'm excited to see what else he has being hundred percent now. I like that Katie and Taryn. I, with that being said, I want to pose a question to you. Uh, I'm not going to say for the round Robin because we know multiple players, uh, extra guys are going to play in the round Robin, but come game one of the first round. Do you think Shane Gossespierre is in that lineup, or do you think it's – yeah, I'm, I'm throwing that question at you. Do you think he's in the lineup, or do you think that it's going to be Robert Haig and Justin Braun? I think, honestly, it, it's nearly impossible to make that call right now just knowing Elaine Vino the way that I know him. Like, mm. And even including what Shane Gossespierre has set up to this point, he said, you know, I have a good body of work, and I know that these coaches know I'm capable – of doing certain things. And I'll be quite frank, Elaine Vino has always been honest about Shane Goss's bear, but has always been quite kind to Shane Goss's bear in terms of his overall opinion of what he's capable of. Because I think most people have known, Hey, he needs this knee cleaned up. Hey, he's over con over um, compensated and needed this knee cleaned up. And that's all come to light recently, you know? And I think that they just know some of that has been a health issue. So I do think it's TBD whether or not Shane Gossespierre now with two clean knees saying he feels better than ever. AV is talking about, you know, he's jumping into the forecheck unlike he's seen him in his year here in Philly. You know, I think all of that will determine whether or not Shane is the guy because I do think that Elaine Vino holds him in incredibly high regard because he's seen what he can do. We've all seen what Shane can do. And when Shane is playing well, Shane is very impressive, but whether or not we've known about it or it's been, you know, up for public consumption, Shane's had quite a few health issues. Now it seems that he's had the time to recover from them, and hopefully that means that he can contribute a lot to this team. 
But I don't even think that decision has been made inside the Flyers dressing room. So I don't have an answer to it. Um, but I know AV and we all know AV and he's kind of been known to put the names in a cup, shake them up, throw them out, see how it works. I don't think that's exactly the approach, but I think when it comes to how many talented defensemen they have, I do think that it's going to be a little bit of, all right, let's put guys together the scheme, see how that goes. If I like this, this is what I'm rolling with. He's, and honestly, when it comes to the way Landino has run this team this year, I trust him. I think most Flyers fans trust him. He seems like he really has the pulse of this team and this league and what's going to work. So I'm excited to kind of wait and see, but I actually don't have an answer to that yet. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. It's a fantastic problem to have. Taryn, it's a great point. No one knows. We have no idea what Elaine Vino is going to put out there, what's going to end up working. But, of course, our trust is in him. Um, but, I mean, on another topic, Jordan, is Igor, Igor Zamula. Uh, we see him get out there, not a lot of ice time. Of course, a young guy coming off of back surgery. Even to me, I mean, this was a surprise to see him on that roster. Um, you love to see it, though. You really love to see it. And to see him even get time, it's like, well, gosh. I mean, again, a younger player, he's, he's got to build some more, some extra maybe strength. Um, but certainly he's got that long reach. He's a tall player, 6'3". Uh, he could add some extra help for you, but do you really want that experience, um, that kind of experience level in the playoffs in this situation? Like, anything could happen. Like, what if we saw him get in there? But for sure in that starting lineup, uh, Shane Goss is fair. No one knows. But you guys, nothing better than just adding to that already talented defensive depth that this team has had. Uh, if Shane Gossesfair is going to be, you know, next man up, and then we have Zamula in mind too. Jordan, I, I, I promise for both of you and for all of our listeners, no, I can't promise this, but it's a great problem to have. Had to yes. say it one more time. No, it is. And uh, for me, I think if, unless Shane Gossesfair like fully blows the door down in the round robin, I think he's going to be their extra defenseman come game one. Um, I think Robert Haig and Justin Braun have shown – uh, why they deserve to be that third pair. And they are, like, ideal third-pair defensemen. So, but I will say this. Like, I think Shane Gosser's pairs looked really good. The coaching, staffs, the coaching staff has said that during camp. Uh, Vigneault, obviously, uh, echoed that sentiment uh, Tuesday night. And I think if the Flyers maybe get into a hole during that first-round series and maybe they're looking for an offensive spark, yeah, then they call to Shane Gosser's pair and say, hey, get in there, maybe make something happen. Uh, but going back to Igor Zamula, yeah, that's a really nice kind of underlying story to all of this. I, for one, said on a past uh, edition of this podcast that I didn't think he'd be on this 31-man roster. And here he is, you know, he's on the roster and he's actually getting into an exhibition game. Um, yeah. Everyone we have spoken to it uh, in the organization, they are super high on this 21-year-old prospect. There's a lot to like with his length, um, his skill, the way he skates. Uh, so it was great to see him get into a game. Um, I don't expect him to play again. Maybe the third round robin game, if the Flyers know exactly what they're going to get in that game, say they're out of it and they can't really improve their seating, maybe they throw Zamula back in there and they give him one more game. But I think it's great that he's here. He got into an exhibition game. He hasn't played – he's never played a pro hockey game ever. Um, he, the last time he played, he was in January in the world junior championships. 
Uh, and then obviously he had back surgery. So this is a great, a real positive for the organization and for him to kind of get his feet wet, to be around everything. And then come next year, uh, he'll be ready to go for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And I think he's going to be a quick riser. So it was cool to see him. Taryn, what did you think about uh, Igor Zamula? Well, I think there's a lot of really smart people in this organization from Chuck Fletcher, pretty much all the way down to the players. And like you said, I don't really expect to see Zamula playing a huge role in route to the Stanley Cup, which I know this team really feels like they can make a deep run and do some damage here. Um, But I do feel like this is a kid who they want to build up and who they see a future in. And being here, being in the bubble, being part of the team, especially in such a unique environment where you're really kind of contained to each other and you very much feel like you're a a tribe of guys together. I think that can only help his confidence when it's time for him to come up. Like you said, you expect him to be a quick riser in this organization. You want him to be that. And like Katie said, it's a great problem to have that you have that many talented people in the organization, but you know, I I don't think they want him to come up and be overwhelmed. I think that this is a great time to kind of see what he can do at this level. And again, the thing with the Flyers is, and Jake Forjek said this as well, they're adjusting to a lot of change right now. This is a game unlike anyone has seen ever in their lives. And you get those games, those kind of comfort games to figure it out, work it out. So maybe these are actually the perfect games for him to figure out his spot on the team and playing at the pro level. I know it seems odd because we're technically essentially in a postseason, but who knows what a preseason next year even looks like. So I think there's a lot of smart people who felt like this was the right move for him. And who am I to disagree with them? Like, and in his limited role, I like what I saw out of him tonight. So I'm certainly not going to disagree at this point. Agreed. And I think this is a, like you were saying, Taryn, a lot of smart people in the organization. And I think that, you know, organizations are, are, of course, they're always focused on the present. And this is a time to be very present minded because obviously this team has a chance to make a run at the Stanley cup, but you're always looking uh, at the future as well. And I think this is a very future oriented decision to have this prospect that they're very high on to have him here and just get his feet wet a little bit and be around it. And it's just, it's only going to give them better decisions come next season. But Katie also talking about future guys, uh, Joel Farabee is a guy that everyone's very high on in the future, but uh, he's got an interesting position right now. It's looking like he could maybe be the 13th forward when they get to the first round. It's looking like he can maybe even play in the top six when they get to the first round. He kind of had limited minutes in Tuesday night's exhibition game. Uh, where do you think his status is come the round robin and maybe come the first round? It seems like it's really going to come down to him and Nate Thompson to be that final 12th forward. What do you think? You know, when you talk about Joel Farabee, this is a player that, as you mentioned, he could be a top six or he could be a 13. Like, he is a player you can play that way. Like, and he's so young that he's just that energizer bunny that can be out there. Of course, too, you got to love the Flyers' Twitter talking about his mixtape and that reaction. If you haven't seen it, you have to go check it out. I'm not going to give it away too much. But him and Kevin Hayes had a little uh, fun little gif that was made. But, yeah, 
he adds so much life to this team. Uh, and you see that when he's out on the ice, of course, a talented player that we've known about since training camp when he first, you know, stepped foot uh, with the orange and black sweater on um, at Virtuous Center. But he is a player that can be up and down your lineup. And that's a great, another great problem to have, uh, Joel Farabee. So, you know, when we talk about that 13 forward, like who that would be, if he's down in that position, is it going to be him? Is it going to be Nate Thompson? I mean, you even think about other guys in that spot. And it's really all about, I think, what you need the most. So when you have your set lineup, fortunately, you don't, you're not desperate. Uh, the depth has been so important at forward as well. When you think about where to put a player like Joel Farabee, it's just like, okay, how can we amplify that success that's already on that line? Or how can we amplify that part of the, of, you know, the lineup, you know, in any way possible, he will for sure be that factor to either add energy, add some extra life to anything going on. Um, the place he makes, he's a smart player with a puck, but you know, something else that might be, uh, you know, you're concerned about is just the fact that he hasn't played in a uh, situation like this. But on the end of that, I will say no one, no one has played in a situation like this. So anything's possible. I don't care if it's your first year in the league or, or you know, you've been around the league for quite some time. And if we're talking about Nate Thompson, that's an example. This is a situation that no one, of course, it's, I'm a broken record for saying that as well, but no one prepared for it. No one knows how to handle specifically professional athletes. And you know what? He's going to, you know, make an uh, impact wherever he's going to be in the lineup. But I do see him, Jordan, when you're talking about round-robin play, of course he's going to be in there. Um, you know, he'll, he'll probably be moved around. I think Elaine Vigneault is going to see um, where he will amplify a certain part of the lineup if it's going to be at the depth, you know, somewhere in the depth, which he's been doing all season long. Um, but really nothing like it. Nothing like just getting going. And, you know, I don't want to go too far back to Zamula, but I will say – Nothing like being 20 years old, guys, and just welcome to the league. All right, go do this. Go do this. Like, let's just see what you got. And, Jordan, I, I do agree on that note with you just about getting his feet wet and everything like that. But just one more thing is that I think some of these athletes, and you've seen it happen, they perform so well under pressure. This might be a great thing for a player like that. Who knows? I am not setting my bar anywhere with Zamula. I'm not setting it anywhere with Joel Farabee or any of these young players for that matter. Um, I, I truly think they can be impressive and who knows how they can, uh, you know, really make an impact under pressure. But going back to Joel Farabee, yeah, he, he truly is, you know, a player that the, the team has known well. Uh, the coaching staff will find a place for him without a doubt. Um, a matter of where I don't have that answer for you. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Katie, you just mentioned pressure, obviously, with the playoffs, but it's a different type of pressure right now because obviously there are no fans in the building. And this was our first experience uh, not seeing fans, not hearing fans. Uh, Taryn, if you could, um, obviously you were at the Wells Fargo Center on the broadcast. What was your whole situation like? And also what did you think of like the no fans and not seeing that? Well, I would like to say first that I think the NHL kind of killed it in terms of the way they set up Scotiabank Arena was, you know, not to knock any other leagues. I've certainly got my fair share of entertainment out of any sport that has come back during this pause kind of in the world. Um, but I liked that, that they kind of covered the stands and decided not to do pictures or, you know, whatever kind of situation. The crowd noise. I think the one thing that people didn't, well, some people might have given enough credit to, but that I personally loved because I'm in Wells Fargo Center every home game 
was that they pumped in Lou Nolan saying, yeah. you know, the Flyers are on the Pico power play. Certain little things like that where it, I haven't heard that since March. Like, it makes me so happy to hear those things again. I thought it was done so well. And, you know, I just give so many kudos to everyone over at the NHL that thought, let's do these little things because it's so not normal. It is so, so crazy. It is so unique. But let's give them every little thing we can to make it more normal. That being said, the broadcast for me personally was bananas. <laughs> you know, no, I need to hear normally, this. normally I'm down next to the ice. It's loud. You know, like even when I'm not talking and I'm not on camera, your heart kind of races. You feel like you're in it. Like I'm right next to the ice. Now we're up in the rafters. Obviously there's no one at the Wells Fargo center. It's very quiet. It's easier to focus. It's easier to hear yourself, but like your heart doesn't race and you don't get crazy excited. And I sit there and I'm like, I'm just a broadcaster. Like realistically speaking, <laughs> my job is pretty like, you know, it's, I don't need to get pumped up in order to do my job. I just have to execute for a player though. I cannot imagine what that is like because being in a giant arena that should hold 20,000 people that is dead silent and empty is quite frankly bizarre. It's like being in a morning skate, like, but it's not a morning skate. You know, I get this was an exhibition, but at one point it's going to be the same environment, but your season is on the line. That's crazy for me to think about. That being said, like I said before, I give all the kudos to the NHL for everything they did tonight. It was as close to normal as you could ask for. Um, and there were a lot of little touches that I think if you look for, you see, if you don't, you don't even realize that made it feel more normal, which I personally appreciated so much. I feel like the NHL kind of gets um, a bad rap a lot among diehard fans. Obviously fans love to poke fun at Gary Bettman and the league on Twitter, but no, really, I think the league has been incredible and how meticulous and thorough they've been in setting this up. And, and so transparent, far, quite frankly, they've been, they've been quite transparent, like through much of this, you know, as soon as they decided that they were trying to figure out a plan, they announced, we're trying to figure out a plan. And once they had a plan, they announced we have a plan, you know, they, I think they have tried to keep everyone as in tune as they can with what they were doing. Sorry to cut you off, but no. again, it's just, I think people were craving hope and they gave a very realistic version of hope at every single turn. You didn't see what you've seen in other sports when it comes to the NHL. And I know some of that, and I know I'm biased, comes from the fact that I think hockey players are some of the best people in sports, truthfully some of the most selfless people in sports that truly care about getting the Stanley cup awarded. But I also want to give a huge shout out to the NHL because they were so transparent and they've pretty much followed their timeline, like within a couple of days since this all started. And I've seen the behind the scenes of what the bubble looks like. It, it seems like they've tried to do things the best way they can at every single turn. Yeah, it's hard to the, do right now. Even the smallest details of having these frames with their families on the nightstand when these players arrive. I mean, I know some people may be like, oh, that's so small. It really is like 
down to those personal details, like a league that is investing so much in making sure like their personal lives are just as, as uh, you know, as rich as, you know, their game and everything like that. It's just, it's, it's really like something to notice that a league is that, you know, they're that uh, tuned in on how to make a home in a time like this. Yeah. They, and they really have been so transparent. Like if you even think, um, two really important phases, obviously of this return to play was phase three and now phase four. And they released those detailed, detailed protocols on what goes into phase three and what goes into phase four, not just for us folks that work in the media side of this, they released it to everyone. Everyone can look at it and really read it and comprehend it and know what the league was trying to get into with this return to play. I could not agree more with Taryn and Katie, both of you just and how thorough they've been. And that's been refreshing. And I think it's why they've had so much success up to this point. And I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx them or anything, but uh, to, it's to the point where everyone's really excited and believing that this is going to finish. And um, during a time where I think a lot of people kind of needed the sense of normalcy for sports to return and to award the Stanley cup. Um, that's been great. And the whole no fan aspect had me thinking about the importance of Elaine Vigneault. Um, when you have, like, like Tara was saying, she, she found herself trying to get pumped up. Uh, and it's just natural. I think when you're not around 18, 19,000 fans screaming, um, yeah, you don't get as into it. Uh, and I, obviously the players are going to deal with that, especially, um, I think that's where coaching will be incredibly important in this in terms of motivating players, getting them to focus on every shift, getting them to not have lapses in focus. And that's where I think Vigneault will be incredibly important because he's so good at getting his team to focus on like details and systems and stuff. Uh, could the Flyers ask Katie, could they ask for a better coach right now than Elaine Vigneault? I think he's going to be a really important factor in this. Hey, all I care about is that he found where to get his martini. I mean, and that's like the most important thing you got to know. Uh, that's what makes him, him keep going is, you know, he doesn't have the pontoon quite, uh, yeah. quite there, but he's got the martini. No, I, there is no, there is no better coach that I, I think could be in your hands right now than um, Elaine Vino as far as an organization. This was something we talked about during the pause too, when things did start back up. I feel reassured with the Flyers knowing Chuck Fletcher is there uh, taking care of it all. And then, you, you know, you also have Elaine Vino and a full head veteran coaching staff to back him up. I mean, this is such a great scenario uh, in such an uncertain time, right? Like this, this couldn't have, uh, I, I do think the Flyers have the best possible chance having him as a head coach. He really does. When you talk about that energy, yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall and really see how he gets them fired up before games. Um, I don't imagine he's too much of a vocal, maybe a screamer or anything like that, but who knows? I have no idea what goes on in there, guys. I don't, Taryn, I don't know if you've had any glimpses, but uh, specifically in this bubble play, like none of us are there. So who knows what he what he has to bring, but it truly is, you know, Elaine Vino is a great person to have. On another note, too, I was going to say Carter Hart. This this was mentioned from J.J. Taron in the broadcast that he, he also was, like, trying to prepare. Like, it was asked, are you preparing in a different way? Because you have so many different visuals around you. He has, he has a huge uh, screens all around. You don't have fans behind you, but just the format might be a bit different for, you know, when he does take the ice between the pipes for a game. But apparently, Terry said, you know, it's per, you know, the same thing. He maybe walked around a bit, checked it out, like any player probably did. But um, he seemed to just be just fine with it. 
Yeah, Carter is such a, a preparation guy and a tactical guy. We showed him doing his pregame visualizations where he literally sits in the stands, closes his eyes, and kind of pictures yeah. what's going to happen throughout a game. That's who he is. I mean, he's played hockey at every level throughout his life. He's played hockey on a big stage as a young guy. He's played hockey on a small stage. as a, like He's just – he's done it all. I think – it's tough because he's young, so you think he doesn't have all that experience, but if we're really looking at what's going on, no one has any experience in that arena. So it's kind of not quite an even playing field, but as close to it as you could ask out of Carter. But for such a young kid, he's such a pro. He's so mature. If anyone can handle it, I kind of think it's him because he's not incredibly used to playing in a playoff environment. And he's also very kind of um, committed to the idea of preparation. Um, so I, I think he's actually kind of the perfect fit to deal with this scenario. I also want to go back to what you and Jordan were talking about before with AV being kind of the perfect coach for this situation where it's, it's quiet and you're trying to get a team pumped up. For those of you who doubted that Kevin Hayes was a good investment at the start of the season, <laughs> this is the perfect situation for Kevin Hayes. You know, because – and Jonesy mentioned on the bench, as a guy who played hockey, who's been out there in sometimes quiet arenas where there's not a ton of fans. I know it's not the same as what it's like now. In those environments, you rely on your bench, on your teammates to pump you up. And then you have a guy like Kevin Hayes who's – making jokes, keeping it light, keeping you motivated, very funny, never stops talking, as we've seen from the mic'd ups. That's who you want on your bench right now. You know, and the guys like the Scott Lawtons of the world, who's a Swiss army knife on the ice, but is a very, very funny, very witty guy off of it, who stays talking to his teammates, keeps it light. The Michael Raffles of the world, even the Jake Voracek's of the world. Like, you want those guys who are keeping conversation going, kind of cutting that tension in a quiet arena and bringing you together in these situations. It is so odd. But when you see the mic'd up with some of these guys, you realize what a brotherhood it is. And guys like Kevin Hayes are the people who are kind of the glue in that brotherhood. And I think, yeah, AV is a huge part of this. But like you said, AV is not going in there giving crazy speeches and screaming and hooting and hollering. He's a pro's pro. He's the man with the martini. He's awesome, but that's not him. I think he is the guy who says, do your job. I did everything to prepare you to do it. And then you look at the personnel, and honestly, they are a great group of guys to, to have each other's back in this situation. It's not just – the coaching staff, it's not just the players, it's not just the goaltenders. It's the whole combination it is, quite frankly, a, a really good combination to have. Taryn, it really didn't hit me until you said that. That's a fascinating point about Kevin Hayes and how valuable he is in this type of setting. Obviously, when the Flyers acquired Kevin Hayes uh, last summer, no one was foreseeing uh, this type of setting for the playoffs, but he really is a great guy to have in terms of how vocal he is and how he keeps things light. Like he's going to motivate guys and keep guys um, going during this time. And I remember during training camp, there was a practice where he collided with someone 
and he was pretty shaken up and he had to get off the ice and everyone was like, wow, like let's hope Hayes is okay. What do you know? Not long after Hayes comes back out, comes to the bench. And when I knew that Hayes was definitely okay was once you could hear him shouting from the bench. Um, <laughs> when, when I heard his voice, that's when I truly knew like, okay, he's fine because you hear him, you hear him. And uh, I think he's a perfect guy to have, like Taryn said, during this time. And not only that, uh, Katie, what did you think of his game? I thought him, Travis Konechny, and that Scott Lawton line, they looked really good. I thought they were the best line. Uh, Tuesday hey, you know what? It's, it's what you love to see is Kevin Hayes. And, you know, I don't think this game counts. But what is it, 19-0-1 when Kevin Hayes scores a goal during the regular season? Yeah. Now, uh, now one and all, one oh and oh, uh, and you know he scores a goal. No, but he's always been that extra. He, like you, I don't know. Like I wouldn't use the word energizer because I've already used that. You know, for Joel Farabee and the then spark you plug. Spark, no, no, no. TK is the spark plug. So then for Kevin Hayes, I would just say he brings the passion. So I don't know what kind of word you could just put at that. Uh, like one word to simplify that. Just passionate, maybe. But he's charismatic. He, He's the triple A guy that jumps your car battery. Hey, like that. I like that. I don't, you know, he doesn't really look too much like that guy, but no, that's okay. I, I'll use that. Just really saving you when you need it. I like that. I like that. He does. Yeah. He saves the flyers when they need it most um, in different times too. I mean, talk about his shorthanded goals. He's what top five in the league during the regular season for shorthanded goals. Um, he does step up truly when you need him to step up. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, ups and downs from him like any player throughout the regular season. But Taryn, you, you did. It was a great point, that energy that he brought. Uh, you know, you think about Kevin Hayes' numbers on the ice, but off the ice, the wonderful nicknames he's blessed us with to hear about, the wonderful stories, the kata hats, you know, all the fun that he brings is going to be so important with this, with this certain situation because no fans, you miss your family. Kevin Hayes will be such a star player, you guys, in, in this playoff run. But, uh, What's crazy about Kevin Hayes, though, is if you guys remember back to the start of the season, he was just getting berated by people who were mad that he didn't produce enough. And now you look at what a huge part of the team he is production-wise, yeah. but also emotionally. And it's like, yeah, pay the man. Just pay yeah. him. Just give him whatever he wants. <laughs> what do you need? What do you need? I'll give you my car yeah. that's dead. I'll give it to you. Give your you price, mean? Kevin. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, the, like the 180 everyone has done on him in terms of like, yeah, not loving the Philadelphia. Yeah. And then what do you know? He gets the Gene Hart, which is an award given by the Flyers fan club. So the fans voted that. And then he's also the Flyers finalist for an award called the King Clancy Award, which is like all about humanitarian and being involved in the community. Like, it's, it really is remarkable what he's done in one season in terms of winning over a pretty tough city. And, Jordan, this is a guy who told me for the first, like, two months of the season that he wasn't really looking at, like, Twitter replies and what yeah. people were sending him. And every once in a while, his brother would, like, send him a funny, insulting tweet that he got because he couldn't handle – he didn't want to deal with the onslaught. But, you know, his, his family would keep him humble. You look at him now – He's got, like, the private number to Angelo's Pizza, which you got to call 31 times in order to get a pie because it's so popular. He, he's, like, got a beer named after him at Yards. He, he's just totally beloved, and rightfully so. I mean, he's contributed a lot on the ice, off the ice, et cetera. And truthfully, from interacting with him and seeing the way the guys interact with him and the way he bridges the veterans and the young guys in this team, having Nolan Patrick live in his apartment – 
Yeah. Like it's all well-deserved, you know, it just seems like Chuck Fletcher, the gears in his mind do things that we can't even understand. And he absolutely <laughs> nailed it with Kevin Hayes. Yeah, he really did. And to think that this is just the first year of seven with Kevin Hayes, that's pretty exciting. Like the first year has been super fun with this guy. And I think you two in the city would also agree with that. Um, the thing it's just year one and, hey, let's see, maybe it'll be capped off with something pretty special. I'll tell you this, if the Flyers go on a run to the Stanley Cup, I'm pretty sure everyone in this city is going to be thanking the New York Rangers. What do you guys think? I don't know if I, I would not. I would not. Flyers <laughs> ever being nice to the Rangers. That just, you know, no. we're, we're going to pretend like you didn't <laughs> that. Say was that was a bad point. Bad point. As, as a born and raised Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers fans, I will not thank the Rangers. You're right. I don't like, thank point. Other we're than not- anyone in the Philadelphia Flyer family. This isn't going to be a two-on-one. You both shot that down pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a stupid question. What do you think? <laughs> no. Katie Emmer, thank you as always. Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so fun talking to, talking to you both. And I can't wait to talk to you guys uh, the rest of this tournament. Flyers fans, that is the, the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.